Amen. Thank you. Be seated. We rejoice in a lot of things, don't we? A lot of people rejoiced in a royal wedding this week. How many got up at 4 o'clock in the morning for that, huh? Stella did. I was sleeping. We rejoice in relationships. We rejoice in sporting events. We rejoice in financial windfalls. We rejoice in jobs. We rejoice in a lot of things. But I'll tell you, there's only one thing we can rejoice in that will never disappoint us, and that's Jesus. That's the Lord. Everything else will let us down. Well, I'd like to invite you this morning, if you're carrying your Bible, and I wish you would, the church, open it to the book of Proverbs, chapter 24. Proverbs, chapter 24. Now, let me explain the book of Proverbs for folks who may not be familiar with the book. It's an Old Testament book, kind of in the middle of the book, follows the book of Psalm. And uh, it's a book that contains different works of wisdom, some kind of fable uh, material and, and, and some kind of stories, but, but it's all things about wisdom. And it's written primarily by the wisest man who's ever lived sec- except for Jesus Christ. His name was Solomon. And Solomon was wiser than any other man because God appointed him that kind of wisdom. He was following his father, King David, the greatest king that Israel had ever had. And so David now is going to pass the throne on to his son, Solomon. And Solomon is really nervous about this. And so he's going to the Lord and he's asking God's guidance. So God appears to him. And says to him, Solomon, I'm going to grant one wish. Any wish you have, I'm going to grant it. And so Solomon asked God for an extra measure of wisdom so that he might rule God's people justly. Now God was so impressed with this young ruler's response that he gave him more wisdom than any man has ever had. But he also gave him all the other things that men would have wished for, wealth and fame and, and, and all those things of this world. And so he was a blessed, blessed man. Now, I shared this particular lesson with our men at a breakfast a little while ago, and it was suggested to me that it was such an important message that I share it with the entire church. And so I want to share it with you today. So Solomon now, in all his wisdom, is going to teach us a lesson out of Proverbs chapter 24. And he starts by saying this. He says, in verse 30, I went past the field of the sluggard, past the vineyard of the man who lacks judgment. Now, right off the bat, he makes a very harsh judgment about this particular vineyard keeper. You know, you see him walking around, he's got all this wisdom, he's just kind of walking around the countryside, and he looks at this vineyard and he just freezes in his tracks. And he says, you've got to be kidding me. This guy's a sluggard. This guy lacks judgment. Now, what caused him to form that instant of a negative judgment about this vineyard keeper? Well, there were several things. He tells us, first of all, that thorns had come up everywhere and the ground was covered with weeds. Now, I'm a suburb boy. I grew up in the suburbs. I'm no farmer, I'll tell you that. I I wouldn't know how to plant anything, and if I touched it, it would probably die. But I did a little research on this, and I found some really fascinating things about this passage. There's actually, in the original language of Hebrew, two different kinds of weeds that are talked about. There's thorns. Now, these thorns are very quick-growing weeds, and the kind of weeds that you're always plagued with. In the front of my house, we have a, a kind of a, a, of a rock a bed that has all kinds of red lava rock in it, and we have some palm trees in it. And every week, I've got to weed that thing. 
I mean, it is a pain. Every Saturday, I get up, I gotta go out, and I gotta pull weeds out of that thing. Because they just grow up. And that was this kind of weed. You know, every farmer deals with weeds. And this was a very rapid growing weed. It could grow up literally overnight, a couple days, and it was back again. And so Solomon, I said, you know, well, you know, he's got the weeds. That's, that's understandable. Everyone battles those. But then, he said, he's also got what's in the KJV called nettles. And nettles is a, is a horse of a different color. Because nettles, for them to grow in your garden, it takes time. They don't just grow up overnight. It takes time for them to grab a hole in the soil and, and to grow. So Solomon's looking at this garden. He goes, this guy's got weeds. Okay, I can understand that. Everyone deals with that. But he's got nettles. That's bad. Because that didn't happen overnight. That took some time to get there. Then he goes on to say, he said the stone wall was in ruins. See, in this day, in, in Palestine, around every vineyard or any other field where they were growing anything, they had a stone wall built and erected around it to protect the vineyard. And the stone wall was there to keep wild animals from getting in and eating the fruit of the vineyard or to protect from vagabonds who were just wandering the countryside to go in and destroy the crops and, and, and pick on them and, and trample them or from competitors who might want to ruin that crop because they're competing with the person at the market. And, and so in the middle of these vineyards would be a guard tower and a stone wall to protect the vineyard. And so Solomon's walking by this vineyard and he sees that the stone wall that's there to protect the vineyard's all broken down. It's all in ruins. And so, immediately, he says, I applied my heart to what I observed, and I learned a lesson from what I saw. You know, we could stop there and camp out there for a minute, because this is such a great life lesson, just that one statement. You know, whatever experience we are having in life is a learning opportunity. And we have learning opportunities all day long. Everywhere we go, everything we do, everyone we encounter, people we don't even encounter, we're just watching, we can learn from. See, Solomon, his wisdom, learned every day from life. And boy, that would be a lesson that all of us should embrace. But in this particular one, he looks at it and he says, okay, you got weeds, you got nettles, stone walls broken down. This guy's a slugger. This guy has no clue. And then he reveals what's behind the ruination of this particular vineyard. He says this, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. See, this is an attitude. In some versions of the Bible, these are actually in quotes. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Solomon gets, I get it. I know what happened. See, here's what happened. One day the farmer went out there, and, and he looks at his vineyard, and he sees these, these quick-growing weeds, and he goes, ah, oh, I am so sick of these weeds. I better get out there and I, I better tear those weeds out there. But not today. My back's hurting a little bit today. Today, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Well, some time goes on and gets out and all of a sudden he's out there another day. And, and he notices now, not only has the weeds, and they're rapidly growing, but he's got nettles now in the field. And, and now he's in trouble because those take some time. And don't you know, you just go, oh, no, i got nettles in my field. Now, look at all the nettles. What am I gonna, i got to get out there. I've got to take care of this. I've got to get rid of those things. They're going to choke off my crop. But not today. Not today. I promised the wife I'd take her to the market today. Today, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands for us. I'll get to it tomorrow. Then don't you know, another day he comes out there. And now the stone wall's all broken down. And now he's going, 
Ah, I can't believe it. Look at that. I got weeds, I got nettles, and, and the wall is just crumbling. I, I got to do something about it. I got to take care of that right away. But, say it with me. Tomorrow. Not today. Today, what? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And so what happens is vineyards are wreck. But that's not the end of the story. Because Solomon draws the net, and reveals where all this is going. He says, and poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. He says, one day, the consequences of this attitude of a little sleep, a little slumber, is going to come back and it's going to come back like an armed man. You ever have any dealings with an armed man? You ever have any dealings with a thief? I have. I went to one rock concert my entire life when I was a kid, a teenager. Usually I was out playing, gigging. And so my friend and I go to this concert. It's a big concert. People all over. We're in a big hall. And, and so we're kind of standing on the side uh, up by a, a wall and that. And we're just kind of listening. And before we even knew what happened, five huge guys approached us. Two of them grabbed my two arms. Two of them grabbed my buddy's two arms. Literally lifted us off our feet and pinned us against the wall. Their buddy came around and he said, well, thank you very much, and just start going into our pocket and taking all the money we had. Now, I want to tell you, in those days, I wasn't a little pipsqueak. I pumped. I was an athlete. I've been known to mix it up a little, come out in the winning end. But in this situation, nothing I could do. I was pinned against that wall. They were bigger than us. There was no way we had a chance. When they were done with us, they just took us and literally threw us on the ground and literally walked over us. Nothing we could do about it. I fantasized for days of things I wish I could have done. Well, that's what Solomon's saying, see. He's saying someday, one day this guy's going to wake up and it's harvest time. It's time to harvest the crops of his vineyard. It's time to take them to market and sell them so that his family's going to have food in the wintertime. It's time to sell those crops so that he can buy oil for his lamps so in the extended darkness of days, the family can see around the house. But in that time, when he wakes up and comes to his senses, and even if he runs out into that vineyard and starts pulling weeds out like crazy and starts digging up nettles, and starts running around trying to fix the broken wall, it's going to be too late. His poverty is going to come on him like an armed man, and there's nothing he's going to be able to do. Why? Because it's harvest time, and he has no harvest. Now, let's bring it home. Let's bring it to the 21st century. Every one of us, are vineyard keepers. Every one of us are cultivating different areas of our life. And this pervasive, negative, destructive attitude can creep into our life and cause some major havoc. Major havoc that God does not intend to be there. And all of us have been impacted by this same thing from time to time. Ah, a little sleep, a little slumber. A little folding of the hands to rest. We have the garden of our marriages. Many of us here are married. And you know, there's no perfect marriage. 
And it's pretty common for weeds to grow in a marriage. Little problems come up. That's pretty common. Happens in mine, happens in yours, happens in them all. And we all understand that's not a big deal, but, you know, we need to take care of it. But what do we do? We say, ah, better get on that, but not today. Take a little sleep, a little slumber. A little time passes, and all of a sudden we see some nettles. Now there's a little bit more serious things going on. And we recognize it. We see it. And we know that something better be done about it. But not today. Today, a little sleep, a little slumber. One day we wake up in the wall of protection. Those covenants that we established when we looked at each other as stargazed young people and got married. Walls all breaking down. Now we're in serious, serious trouble. And we know we better get help. But our pride, our stubbornness gets in the way. And even then, we respond, not now. A little sleep, a little slumber. And pretty soon, our poverty in our marriage relationship comes on us like an armed man. And pretty soon our spouse isn't willing to give us another chance, not willing to give us another round, no matter how much we beg to go to counseling, no matter how much we beg that we'll change, and no matter what happens, it's too late. And that's why the divorce rate is as high today within the body of Christ as it is in the marriages of unbelievers. A little sleep, a little slumber. Same thing in our families. No family's perfect either. How many of your parents? How many of you have perfect kids? Hands went down real fast. Well, if I asked your kids how many have perfect parents, you want to see? You want, want to guess how many hands I'd see? Zero. And we have some weeds in our family. Every family has weeds. That's, it's normal. Problem is, families start getting nettles. And we recognize it. And yet we still embrace this attitude, a little sleep, a little slumber. I'll take care of it later. And the walls start tearing down. Things, serious things start happening. And, and, and there's real conflict in our relationships. And, and the kids are acting out, or, or the parents are, and, and the whole family is kind of like in, in this dysfunctional cycle. And we see it, and we know we better fix it. But yet, not today. Or it doesn't even have to be dysfunctional. Maybe we, we just know that we, we want to spend more time with the kids because we want them growing up to, to, to remember back a family that was tight and had a lot of fun together. And, and we, we want to go out and, and just go on some picnics together and, and fly some kites together and just do some non-expensive fun things together. But not today. I don't have time today. And I've got a really important project right now. So right now, I'm going to do that. Or I'm, I'm just tired. I've been working hard all week. It's a weekend, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding the hands rest. We'll do it sometime. Folks my age remember a song called The Cat in the Cradle. It's a song about that kind of thing where the child was constantly begging mom and dad to do something. And a parent would say, oh, we'll have a good time then, son. I don't have time right now. We'll, we'll get to that later on. We'll have a good time then, son. And then the ch- child grows up, becomes the adult. And now the parents call and say, hey, let's get together. And say, yeah, we'll do that sometime, dad. Yeah, we'll have a good time then, dad. See, and then our poverty will come on us like an armed bandit. Ah, there's so many fields that we're cultivating. Field of our education. 
Some of you are still working on your education. And let me encourage you, don't quit. Because it's our education that opens up increasing doors of opportunities for us. And some of you were in school. And you've dropped out of school. Because it got tough and it got hard and it got expensive. And, and, and when you dropped out, you said, you know, I'll just take this semester off. I just need to get my mind again. I just need to rest. And that was five semesters ago or five years ago. And we said, oh, a little sleep, a little slumber. And then opportunities will come that need that educational background or certification. And we miss the opportunity because our wall's broken down and nettles have creeped up in our life. Same thing in our jobs. We, we all know that, that we need to be advancing our skills so that we stay competitive in this increasingly difficult job market. And, and, and there's some of us that have skills and we're in a business that, that requires certification. We've got to go back and we've got to keep our credentials current. And we've got to go back and, 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 and study up on the latest technologies or, or whatever it is or the latest sales techniques or, or whatever it is. And we know we need to do it, but you know, we say, oh, not today. Today, a little sleep, a little slumber. A little fold of the hands to rest. I'm just exhausted. I've been out working hard, and the wife's ragging on me, or my husband, he's not cooperating. I'm doing all the things with the kids. I'm doing everything. I'm just too tired. And then again, opportunities present themselves that we can't take advantage of, or we lose our job, and now we have no track record of any kind of personal advancement, and nobody wants to hire us. Our poverty will come like an armed man in those times, and there's nothing we're going to be able to do about it. Our health. This is the garden of our health. A lot of you are like me. I'm one of those kind of guys. I'm, I'm just never sick. I never have colds. I never have the flu. And the next week I'll be down on death's door. But, but, you know, except for strange things like my retinas detaching and a double hernia surgery and stuff like that, I'm a healthy guy. I don't ever get sick. And you take that for granted. It's going to be that way all the time. It's been that way all my life. I don't have to worry. I've got my health. I'm strong. Shared with you a while back about my intimate love relationship with Ben and Jerry. Well, you know what? I had to divorce Ben and Jerry. Because I, you know, I started getting these little telltale signs. Blood pressure started creeping up. Cholesterol started creeping up. Falling asleep all the time, getting winded, walking from this place to that place. See, we take it for granted. And we say, ah, oh, yeah, I know, I know, I got to start out walking. I, I need to get out and start exercise. I need to go to the gym. I need to get in aerobics class. I need to get in a spin class. I need to do something. But, man, I, I can't. Next month, starting on the 1st of May, is when it's going to happen. I'm starting the diet. I'm starting the exercise program. I'm starting this. I'm the 1st of May. Oh, it's the 1st of May. Uh, maybe not the 1st of May. Today, what? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And one day we go to the doctor, and they run blood tests on us. And the doctor says, Man, I wish you'd have come to me two years ago. Or the doctor comes and they run a series of other tests and say, Boy, you're, 
you're, you're in a difficult spot. We're really going to have to take some really radical steps to try to save your health. Or the doctor says, I'm sorry. You've just flat worn your body out. See, that's a vineyard we need to take care of. And we all want long life, and we want a good quality life as we get into our twilight years. Well, you've got to do, take care of it. I'm practicing what I preach. I'm back to walking three and a half miles, five days a week, early in the morning. I've lost 20 pounds since the 1st of July, or, or, or January. And so I'm trying to practice what I preach. Thank you. Thank you for the encouragement. See, that's a, that's a garden. And if we don't take care of it, bad things are going to happen. Our financial stability. Hey, listen, if you're young here today, if you're a young person, like you're in your 20s or your teens or even your 30s, let some of us old gray-haired people encourage you to what the Bible says. The Bible says, little by little, money grows. You know, that means just develop some self-discipline to put a little money away, every paycheck. Invest it and see how that money grows. It'll grow over time, and by the time you reach our age, you'll have developed greater financial stability than a lot of us who didn't do that. And now we're having to play the catch-up game. Let me tell you something about the catch-up game. It's not fun. And it doesn't give you warm fuzzies. I'll tell you what, if you're a believer in Christ, let me tell you something. Tithing plays a big part of that, of our financial stability. See, I happen to believe God's Word, and I believe when God's Word says, test me, and it's bring the whole tithe and offering, and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and bless you. Now, let me tell you something. In my experience doing that for a lot of years now, that doesn't mean I always have a lot of money. I just have a lot of blessing. God takes care of my needs. But I don't always have a lot of money. In fact, sometimes I've been desperate financially and still tithe. Because God will test us periodically. He'll say, really? Okay, well, in the good times, sure, yeah, you're going to tithe then. All right, well, let's see how you do in the bad times and the hard times. But we, we neglect this area. And someday our poverty is going to come like an armed man. Well, we can go on all day, but... Let's get down to two final, very important ones. We are all cultivating the garden of our own spiritual development. If you're a believer in Christ, you've trusted Christ as your Savior. Here's what the Bible says. Grow up in your salvation. That's what the Bible says. God wants us to grow. Just like when we have children in our family, our desire for them is to grow. We want them to grow physically. We want them to grow emotionally. We want them to grow socially. We want them to grow spiritually if we're Christian parents. Well, God is our parent, and he wants us to grow. And how do we grow? Through the core values of our church. Be a friend, read and pray, lend a hand, share a story, do the next right thing. Those are steps that we can take to grow spiritually. And we talk about them all the time, and we'll talk about them, and, and I'll preach a lesson on it, and people go, yeah, hey, i got to do that. I, I, I really got to do that. i just got to start reading my Bible more. I've got to make it a regular part of my life, a regular part of my week, maybe even a daily part. And, and I'm going to do that. I'm going to start May 1st. Oh, it's May 1st. But not today. Today... Boy, you guys are really excited about this, aren't you? God wants us to fall in love with His Word. God wants us to pray with Him and speak with Him and have intimate communion with Him. 
God wants us to serve Him. He's given every one of us here both natural abilities. They're just things that you're just naturally good at because God knit you that way in your mom's womb. And then when you trust that Christ is your Savior, God also gave you some spiritual gift, at least one, and, and most of you are probably a couple. And those gifts, the Bible says, are to be used not for our own pleasure or own edification, but for the common good. And we know that. And we'll, we'll hear a message and we'll say, yeah, I've got to do it, I've got to do it, but I'm right in the middle of this contract. When I finish this contract, then I'm going to get involved in that ministry that I know God's leading to me. When I, when I get done with this particular thing, then next year is going to be a better year. This is going to be a tough year. Next year is the year that I'm going all in for God. Today, a little sleep will summer. Hey, let me tell you something. Jesus is coming again. And Jesus said in the book of Revelation, I'm coming soon. And I'm bringing my reward with me. And I'll reward everyone according to what they've done. Most important of all is the vineyard of our eternal preparation. The Bible clearly states that this is not the end of life. You realize you've already died once? Do you realize that? We died to a wonderful life experience. We were inside our mom's, our, her womb. We had everything we needed. She protected us. She cared for us. She took vitamins and exercised. We were well fed. And she gave us to eat anything we made her crave. It was warm. She talked to us massaged us, and we could kick and have all kinds of fun. Then all of a sudden, one day, we had this traumatic experience. We died to that experience. And we were born into this world, and we were greeted with a slap on our backside. And people were running around putting suction stuffs in us and sucking stuff out of us. We're... We've been getting slapped ever since, haven't we? <laughs> Listen, we're going to die again, but we're going to die to a new life experience. And the Bible says it's going to be one of two experiences. It's going to be eternal dwelling with God, or it's going to be eternal suffering in hell. Now, people don't want preachers to say that nowadays. Don't, don't talk about that. But I would be the worst pastor on planet earth if I wasn't honest with you about that. And, and when I stand before the Lord, I want to have been honest with that. And by the way, all these messages I give you and I stand before the Lord, don't you dare say, oh, he never taught me that. Because I'm going to say, they're lying. <laughs> we know that this life is going to come to an end. And we know that we need to prepare for that. And if there's any other area in our life though that this attitude creeps in, it's this area, but not today. I'll get to it. I was talking to a, a man here a while back, heard the gospel of salvation of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for the forgiveness of sins when he was 14 years old. 
and said to me, he knew at 14, I knew I needed that. I knew I needed to trust Christ. And God was convicting me at that moment to trust Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sin. He said, but I wasn't ready. Because there were things I wanted to do in life. And there were things that I were doing that I was enjoying. And I didn't want to give those things up. And so without realizing it, he said, not today, God. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Now, thank God in his mercy, he gave that man extra time. Time that that man at 14 years old, even though he was young, and seemingly and, and probably had a whole life ahead of him, we don't know that. 14-year-olds die every day. And God was merciful to him. And after a lot of bumps and bruises, that life led him in a divorce and, and a lot of other things. Finally, one day, God shared with him that message again. And this time, he hearkened unto it. And God forgave him, healed his life, and brought him back to where God created him to be. You may have been here for another service or some other church and you heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for you. See, as this little graph up here on the screen shows, we got a problem. We're sinners. And God doesn't have that problem because he's absolutely pure. And because of our sinfulness, there's a chasm that separates us. And the only way across that chasm is the cross of Jesus Christ. It's our bridge back to God. There's no other bridge. There's no other way. And we hear that, and some of you may have heard that before, and you knew you needed to accept it, but you said, not today. Well, here's the good news. God's given you another chance right now. Don't put it off another day. Let's bow our heads. How about you? Has this attitude crept into your life, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest? The question really not has it, because I know it has. The real question is where has it? And what will you do about it? Will you give it to the Lord right now if you're a believer? And make a commitment. This is May 1st. Good time to start. Today is the first day of a new month. Good time to start. But while well, believers are processing that, I want to give that opportunity, that man or that woman who's here today. And God brought you here today for a greater reason than any of these other vineyards in your life. He brought you here for your eternal preparation. And right now, He wants to give you eternal forgiveness of your sin. And all you have to do to receive that is to trust in what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you. And right now, you know, because God's Spirit right now is talking to you. He's knocking on the door of your conscience. He's stirring up your soul. You are troubled. You know that he's speaking to you. And right now is your opportunity. No one looking around. Every head bowed, please. And you're that man. You're that woman. Right now, just so I know if the need is here or not, you know that God's dealing with you right now. You need to trust Christ as your Savior. No one looking around, I won't embarrass you. Would you just slip up your hand and say, Pastor Pete, that's me. Yes, yes, I see your hands. Yes, you can put them down. Yes. Yes, yes, I see your hand. You can put it down. Yes. I need this forgiveness. 
right now, those of you who raised your hand, those were about to, but you just couldn't quite get it up in the air. Listen, God wants to give you forgiveness right now. It's a gift. And all you have to do to receive it is ask for it. So right now, not tomorrow, not next month, not next year, right now, receive Him as your Savior. Pray to Him something like this or this. Pray right now, God, I confess to You, I need Your forgiveness. And God, I want Your forgiveness. I don't want to fight this battle anymore. I get it, God. There's no way back to you except through what Christ did on the cross. And I've got to walk across that cross if I'm ever going to have eternal life with you. And so, God, as best as I understand what this pastor has said today, I'm reaching out to Jesus as my Savior. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died on the cross, that you paid the penalty for my sin, and all I need to do is trust you and ask you to forgive me. And so, Jesus, I'm doing that right now. Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive every sin I've ever committed. Jesus, I'm asking you to seal me for eternity as a child of God. Today, I believe on the name of the Son of God for eternal life. Now, the Bible says to any man or woman who will do that, in 1 John 5:13, these things I write unto you who believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Father, I pray for every man, every woman here. Lord, that little attitude of a little sleep, a little stuff, it's so easy to let it slip into our life and take control. But God, having today identified that, Lord, now give us the discipline and the desire to do something about it. Don't let it rob our marriages. Don't let it rob our families. Don't let it rob our education, our jobs, our health our finances, our spiritual development, especially our eternal preparation. God, bring change in our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you trusted Christ just now, I'm going to ask you to do something. Inside, you received a connection card. That connection card, fill out all the information legibly and accurately on the front, all the demographic information about you on the back of it, it says on the top, my decision today, there's a box you can check that says, I trust that Christ is my Savior. Check that box for us. And then as you leave today, put it in one of our offering kiosks, that card. Here's what we're going to do. As a pastoral staff, we're going to pray for you and thank that, that God brought you here and let you hear the gospel today and respond. Number two, we're going to send you a little booklet entitled, You Can Be Sure. It will help you to further understand what God did for you this morning. And he did an eternal miracle in your life. Right now, Pastor Evans is going to come and we're going to observe the Lord's Supper as a celebration of what God has done to love us.